0: howdy friends and welcome to another episode of escaping the cave escapingthecave.com fuck twitter there is still no facebook page and please loyal Todd files make sure those subscriptions are to escaping the cave the feed with the pretty black and white picture of the cave the chick walking out of the cave into the walk toward the light this is episode number 65. Going to get back into the validation addiction stuff, the dopamine drip. Going to continue along that theme. Actually, probably going to finish it up today before we pivot the S.S. Toddzilla back toward propaganda. I've got a lot more stuff on that. A lot more from the propaganda book. A lot from uh, Edward Bernays. A lot from Walter Lippmann. This is an expansive theme. In fact, I think... As I sit here and think about this, I haven't really put a lot of thought into it. I'm sort of just talking off the cuff here. But I think propaganda could be a college course. Probably a couple of years, maybe three years. It could be a major or a minor study. It encompasses so much. The media, psychology, government, human nature. There's so much involved in this. And I need to kind of figure out how to steer it, how to chop off some of the fat Where to put my focus, I guess, which is how to get people to understand what it is when they see it so they can avoid it, trying to encourage, you know, critical thought, independent thought. Validation stuff ties in to a lot of that. Uh, Did I say the date? I need to do that for my own purposes. It is uh, February 27th, 2020. Moving toward uh, March, spring training is underway down there in Florida. Always a good sign. I know I mentioned that in the last episode. I'm doing this to force a little optimism into my veins. In this day and age, in these times in which we live, optimism <laughs> is a precious commodity, isn't it? Validation addiction. Yesterday I was talking about uh, the dopamine drip. Uh, Social validation, an evolutionary kind of thing. We like it. It feels good. It it, it encourages group cohesion, protecting the group, and the group protecting you. This is some primal stuff going all the way back to caveman times, I think. And uh, where I left off was talking about uh, how you can twist perceptions. Reality won't budge. That kind of thing. And how you have to make a choice between independent thought and joining a group. Those two things are quite often mutually exclusive, diametrically opposed, I think I said. There is no such thing as collective critical thought. It's impossible to think for yourself as part of a group you cannot sit down with even 5 people discussing something at all kind of agreeing on it ranting about the same thing in the same direction you can't do that and be thinking critically at the same time no two people think that alike somebody has got to dominate somebody else somebody has to give their sovereignty up to someone else critical thought and collective thought are two different things that cannot peacefully coexist. All right. So what I'm talking about here is intellectual sovereignty versus membership. I'm going to start off with data overload <laughs> and what I've termed uh, the unreasonable expectations for the herd. <laughs> and I'm talking about myself here. Those unreasonable expectations for the herd, uh, that's my fault. It was uh, an assumption, an ignorant assumption, A simplistic assumption that I made a really long time ago, and my mistake was assuming that rationalization and herd thinking is a character flaw. It's not. Herd thinking is not a character flaw. It's dead wrong. This is the default human setting. I think I've done a pretty good job at sort of insinuating that up until this point, but I need to drive that point home. Herd thinking is the human default setting, tribal programming set by social evolution designed to bind and protect the group while providing a collective narrative, a religion, a group myth, a story, if you will, and you just did. A story to explain the unexplainable, which is a hopelessly confusing and complex world that human beings cannot possibly even begin to comprehend in its totality. All this is optimized for groups made up of 150 individuals on an evolutionary scale. We evolved to have relationships with about 150 people in prehistoric times. That DNA and that programming is still in the gray matter up there in the brain. It's part of who we are. It's part of human nature. Now, when you think about it in that context, with the the collapsing of the overarching myth, thanks to agitation, the propaganda stuff, that I've talked about, attacking the national myth, the national narrative, the grand design, obliterating collective trust in institutions and each other, and probably, in my view, most importantly, a biblical flood of uh, data overload, leaving this already bewildered herd lost, naked, afraid. Is there any question why so many people are on some kind of mood-altering drug or another, including that dopamine drip, that dopamine feed, on social media. The default setting is herd thinking. This is all the collective effect. What about the individual, though? The individual who sort of picked at the splinter of the mind and began to question the herd's narrative. That's where we're going to start. Again, I need to reiterate before I start this, because I think it's hugely important, especially for the purposes of this episode, but uh, the idea or the assumption that herd thinking and all this rationalization, the post-hoc rationalizations, to reinforce the worldview, the grand design, the tribal story, however you want to phrase it, that herd thinking is human beings' default setting. It is not a character flaw. It's not something that a person lacks virtue or morals if they do not think independently. All right, this is not a moral judgment. This is the default setting of human beings. The person committed to truth, the person committed to seeing reality as it is, independent of the in-group and all of that validation that comes with it. That person is rare. That person is the mutant. I've talked about this before. I think I did another episode where I titled it The Beautiful Mutant. This is what I'm talking about. The person who is willing to stand apart from the group, from the herd, and stand on his own two intellectual feet is the mutant. Everybody else... (laughs) <laughs> They're the normal ones, okay? So what happens, though? What happens if you decide to stand apart from the herd, start questioning the herd's narrative, the overarching theme, the religion, however you want to look at it, the dogma, the doctrine, the platform, maybe? And I have to start by reiterating again that destroying, challenging, or even questioning that myth, psychologically dangerous if the person does not know what they are in for. If the choice to quietly step away is made with no public pronouncements whatsoever, all right, and without a trusted support group on which to lean without just changing herds, that's important, without a trusted support group on which to lean without just changing herds and adopting another narrative, another story, another religion, going from Catholicism to Buddhism, all right, there's going to be an inevitable internal friction. It also leaves people exposed to a sense of hopelessness, discontent, disillusionment, a state of chronic self-doubt and confusion. No one is there to reinforce what you're finding. you got to depend upon yourself. You have got to be, in Emerson's words, self-reliant. And that's hard, especially if you're used to being reinforced, having your thoughts and ideas, the doctrine reinforced by the herd. It's incredibly hard to stand there alone. I use the phrase standing there naked and afraid. I'm not trying to rip the TV show off. That's what it feels like when you're used to basking in the warm glow of that group fellowship. Leaving it and attempting to stand on your own gives you a feeling, a sensation. Of being naked, exposed, vulnerable even. You're also going to experience cognitive dissonance. You're going to want to go back. You're going to want that reinforcement, that fellowship that I like to talk about. This person's probably also going to uh, experience a sense of enemy. What's it all about? What am I doing? Enemy is a bitch. And ultimately the threat of being ostracized uh, by the group and left vulnerable and alone. Now... I'm talking about the person who's quietly chosen to step away and made no public pronouncements. All right, They haven't walked away from the tribe. They have just sort of, "Hmm, I won't say anything and I'm going to sit here and quietly and silently contemplate the bullshit going on around me. And what do I think of that? It doesn't matter if you've made the public pronouncement or not. You're still going to experience all of these things. On top of that, however, if you slip up, and somebody or a bunch of people start to get a whiff of your, I don't know, heresy, the fact that you're a traitor, that you've turned on the tribe, then you're going to be under the threat of being ostracized by the group and, again, left vulnerable and alone. They're going to turn their back on you. You've seen Goodfellas. Now, Henry, I've got to turn my back on you. Did you see what that did to Henry Hill in that movie, Ray Liotta? That's being ostracized. It's a big deal. To human beings, it really is. A lot of people say, I don't care about any of well, Yeah, Okay. Being part of something, being included in some kind of group is fundamental basic human psychology, basic human emotions. Again, I didn't graduate from Freud University here. But being a part of a group is something that's inherently human. We are social animals. We are social critters. And being ostracized is a big deal. And challenging the accepted myth and worldview, uh, puncturing an ideological bubble, even publicly questioning these things, exposes the would-be individual to evolution's psychological immune system. It's designed to fight against solitary individualism. I need to repeat that. Evolution's psychological immune system is designed to fight against Solitary individualism. You are going against the grain by striving towards independence. Now, think about it. It works to keep us entrenched. It actually actively works to keep us entrenched within protective groups, wired to protect the group ourselves. It's a symbiotic relationship. They protect us, we help protect them. You see this in the echo chambers. On social media, all the time, how people will come to each other's defense. That's part of the tribalism. That's part of the group protective mechanism, the symbiotic relationship. The person going against that, I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to probably repeat it ten times in this episode. The person going against that is the mutant, is the freak when the disconnected mutants' blasphemous questions and heretical doubts are verbalized to the herd, oh, good God. Uh, danger, Will Robinson. It leaves the individual not only isolated, but open to attack. i are going to turn on you. All you need to do to see this in action, every Friday night, Bill Maher has a show, 10 to 11 on HBO Eastern Time. Occasionally, he will start criticizing the, the uh, far-left woke flakes. Next time he does that, uh, uh, venture over to Twitter. Watch what happens to the trader Bill Maher. Even if he gently criticizes the woke flake crowd, he does this periodically. There's a difference between solitary confinement and choosing your intellectual sovereignty and solitude intentionally. There's a huge difference. To certain people, being forcibly ostracized equates to psychological capital punishment psychological capital punishment we put people in solitary confinement in prison for a reason we put people in the hole because it does psychological damage it's not just being in the hole it's not just being in the darkness in the cold cage it's not having any human contact it's being by yourself you've seen castaway right great movie tom hanks i guess came out what Late 90s, he's on a desert island, his plane crashes, he's a FedEx employee, his plane crashes in the Pacific Ocean, he washes up on shore. He is alone on that island. He gets to the brink of suicide because he has no human contact and he makes friends with a volleyball, Wilson. The Wilson brand volleyball, this is a great movie. You've never seen this movie, you should see this movie. But that is the psychological effect of being ostracized, not having human contact, not being part of a group. This is a, a very basic human thing that people need human contact. They need to belong to something, even if it's belonging to a group of people who say they don't belong. It's like the Bill Hicks thing, the people who hate people party. They're still congregating at the docks, right? So, yeah, if you've gone out and you've proclaimed your, I don't know, heretical doubts to the ver- and verbalized them to the herd, you could be ostracized, psychological capital punishment, being forcibly ejected from the group rather than choosing to voluntarily leave it. This is really interesting. I'm thinking back to 2017 when I decided that I was going to start to cut ties with the, uh, the liberal crowd. And I tried to do it gently. I really did. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start just pissing everybody off. It's time to close this group down. It's time to take people out of this, uh, you know, this echo chamber. I'm going to shut the echo chamber down. I'm trying to explain it. That it wasn't them, that I was changing, and I really didn't really want to have the conflict with these guys that I thought was coming. Let's just stay friends. Let's not chat about this stuff anymore. Holy shit, a couple of people, even though I was voluntarily leaving this echo chamber, leaving this group, started acting like I was being ostracized anyway. We won't let you leave voluntarily. It's like when you're trying to quit. You can't quit. You're fired. More than one person. It just dawned on me as I was going through this. You can't quit the herd, you're fired. You can't leave, you're ostracized. We win. (laughs) You can't reject me, I reject you first. Oof, people are goofy. You know that? People are really fucking goofy. Anyway... All of these psychological maladies, these psychological effects of leaving the group, maybe being ostracized, whatever you want to say, however you want to look at it, all of these things are relieved by just getting on board. By just getting on board and accepting the doctrine and going along with the flow. Going with the flow, man. I got that line from an old boss. My last radio gig famously ordered me to, Todd, you need to just get on board. Do I? We'll see about that. And then I was fired. I was ostracized from the radio station. <laughs> That's really what it was. I didn't believe in what was going on there, and I had no problem going into work, and maybe self-destructive, maybe not, but going into work every single day telling the boss exactly what I thought, because I thought I was right. I thought the state of the, the industry was as such that they were not going to be relevant in 10 years, and I was going to be probably be out of a job or out of the industry in 10 years if they didn't find a way to stay relevant. I was not getting on board. I was preaching a heresy within the corporate environment, and yes, I was ostracized. Was I right? Of course I was right, in the long run. But at the time, didn't matter. I was a heretic. I was a blasphemer. I was not on board with a corporate mission in Santa Fe, New Mexico, at this radio station. And I was let go. I like that. Being fired from a company is being ostracized from the company. Sounds more noble, doesn't it? Anyway, yeah, all these things, relieved by just getting on board, uh, you have to be part of the team. Rowing in the same direction. Throw your share of coal in the engine. Sing your song in unison with the rest of the tribal ship. Row. Uh. Row. Uh. Row. In unison, in lockstep. You got misgivings? Well, don't bother with all that shit, sailor. Don't worry about it. No, no, no. Everything's cool, man. The Titanic is unsinkable. Just throw that coal in there. Keep us sailing. It's simple. The validation of simple fellowship is how we're psychologically designed to congregate, to cooperate. It's easier. It feels better. And the outsider, the drifter, the ideological vagabond is, on a primal level, seen and felt as a threat. This isn't an intellectual level. This is an emotional, a primal level, just a reaction. Somebody who's different, somebody who's not on board, somebody who refuses to row is seen as a threat automatically. Some people may have a certain curiosity about these folks, but there's something wrong. I've seen this traveling, I've seen this hitchhiking around the country. Like you come into a town, or maybe you've got the backpack on, you're a little salty. little road grungy, and you walk into maybe a gas station. You go in to get a pop, maybe a water, maybe a pack of cigarettes, and the looks you get from people because you're a drifter, you're an outsider. You can detect the automatic reactions that people have to that image. Like, ooh, threat. I've had people, I've told this story, I think, on the podcast before. I was out in Utah in 2008, and I got kind of stuck right around uh, Twin Falls. A Mormon country, right? I was sitting at this spot, been there a long time, kind of thought I was going to get stranded there. I didn't. Uh, But I'm sitting by the side of the road, sitting on my backpack, listening to my headphones, throwing the thumb up. I swear to God, I was close enough to the edge of the road when they turned onto the on-ramp, I could hear people locking their doors, driving by me on an on-ramp. This has happened more than once. And and the looks on their face, because you can see right through the, the, the windshield, and they're not thinking about whether or not you're gauging their reaction. They're just reacting to you. And the looks of terror, not all the time, but the looks of terror that you get when they're driving by and they see this outsider, they see this drifter, this vagabond, whatever you know, internal mental image they have of you in their head, it's fascinating. It's entertaining. It's amusing. But those people can be dangerous if you're not careful. It's like approaching a, a wounded dog or a terrified dog. I could go on for hours about that. Maybe I'll do an episode talking about the hitchhiking days sometime. But So we've got all this, and now you add to it a globally interconnected society that's incomprehensibly and hopelessly complex, as I said before, and thanks to our technology, is drowning us in an endless sea of disjointed, corrupt, even subversive, and misleading data. There's no wonder we've hidden inside our respective villages, our tribes, our echo chambers, our cults. It makes a lot of sense. Confused people go to what they know or what at least supposedly comfortably explains things for them so they at least don't feel confused anymore. I mean, what's the alternative, right? In this data overload, this deluge data, this confusing, complex world, what is the alternative? Who else can we trust but our group? And if we found our own herd to be untrustworthy as well, then what? Then what? If you start asking questions and you find out you can't trust the people you've been trusting, you can't trust any of the information out there, what are you supposed to do? Path to empathy. I do not use bewildered herd as a slur. A bewildered herd. Bewildered is understandable. All of us are bewildered, especially in this day and age. Unless you've adopted a religion, a theology, literally a theology or an ideology, schema, a worldview, however you want to phrase it, pseudo-environment, a narrative, so many words for this. Unless you've adopted that, almost none of us really know what to believe anymore on anything that we can see beyond the end of our own noses. We have to rely on other people to tell us, to explain it to us, but they're all apparently full of shit trying to sell us something that we want. Instinctively, I think we know this. Instinctively, I think a lot of people have come to the conclusion that it's futile to try to figure everything else out. Now, maybe it's just a big waste of time. Maybe we're never going to be able to figure it out anyway. Let's just pick one. But in an interconnected world where everything... Affects everything else, that tribalism, that cultism, that antagonism, agitation of two equally powerful and contradictory groups, antagonists. That's a problem. This is exactly what I think Lippmann meant when he said the society that lacks the means to tell truth from falsehood does not remain free. Doesn't matter why. Now I've got more on that coming. Again, it's infinitely easier and safer for the frightened herd to congregate together safely inside reinforcing, if not delusional, and incestuous groups. Safer. Propaganda exploits this very universal human trait. Self-awareness is uncomfortable, and the lack of support that usually comes from group certainty destroys confidence. Lacking that support, lacking that certainty... That in-group certitude destroys confidence, makes a person unwilling to pursue an individual path. And this is the point where many, many, many people wither beneath the weight of that. As Emerson said, God will not have his work manifest by cowards. Mm-hmm. Listening to Escaping the Cave, I'm your cordial and friendly host, Todd. Hello there, I never introduce myself. I often wonder if first-time listeners come to find this podcast. Who the hell are you? You never say your name, you never introduce yourself, you never share anything about yourself. Except for these anecdotes and these stories. I don't know who I'm listening to. Well, my name is Todd. Hello. Happy to have you along. I think. Anyway, so perhaps you're still asking why more people fail or don't even bother trying to extract themselves from the tribe, from the herd. It's obvious, man, because risking all this demands vulnerability, stifling the ego just enough to bathe in a cold tub of embarrassing humility, even silent embarrassing humility. The Internet is where lane-changing vulnerability is gang-raped and particularly by former herd allies who quite likely now view the mutated individuals as a heretic and a traitor. Those whose fallible minds indulge in group certainty will always see the ideological expat as a threatening reflection and only clutch tighter to the protective narratives and accompanying rationalizations. Individuality reflects conformity and can make people defensive. So, yeah, why don't more people do it? The answer is in the form of a question. Why bother? Overwhelmed by the data overload and confusion of a hopelessly complex world, it's far easier to hug even tighter to the comforting myth, the religion, or whatever else offers the warm glow of fellowship and social validation, as well as the dopamine hit. Once again, people who cannot tell truth from falsehood do not remain free. And all this comes at the expense of objective and external truth. A truth that is destroyed and then replaced with its cheap, narcissistic, but well-fitting counterfeit that we call my truth or a personal reality. My reality, my truth, my reality. Bullshit. Truth and reality is singular. Different versions of the truth, different realities are mistruths and not reality. They may be perceptions, they may be points of view, but perceptions and reality are not the same thing. See, I like to say that in the English language, we use different words for different things for good reasons. You can twist perceptions. Reality won't budge. There is no such thing as your reality. I'll spare you the rant, but believe me, I have it memorized. So Walter Lippman, Jonathan Haidt, Marshall McLuhan, Harari, Postman, Neil Postman, excellent writer, by the way, if you've never read him. Nicholas Carr, so many others. They've all pretty much run down the same line. We are an adolescently self-aware species who's asking questions, desperate for clarity, certainty, reassurance. Pseudo-environment, a grand design, a narrative, all of these things leave a gaping hole in the cognitive and psychological firewall to be exploited by propagandists and demagogues. People who know how to pander to you and exploit this narcissism, this need to be at the center of the universe, the need to have everything explained in simple terms, dangerous. And the only solution to this, the only protection, is understanding the weakness. Understanding and knowing exactly where that cognitive firewall, where that hole in the cognitive firewall is, where and how the Trojan horse is deployed. And all this stuff also provides us an excuse which is readily seized upon to embrace the comfortingly simple and narcissistic myth and then bask in the warm glow of the Herd's fellowship at the expense of objective external truth. Again, Heights Elephant, you know, the post-hoc rationalization that takes over, acts as gatekeepers and an egocentric bouncer, protecting the ego and the identity from what's interpreted then As a corrosively threatening reality. My reality, my truth, our truth takes over. And then we start self-policing the herd, self-policing the tribe, looking for traitors, looking for people who will sabotage and speak against the narrative, the collective myth, the pseudo-environment. Self-policing the herd, conform or be cast out. We learn that rule when we're young, and it stays with us. Risk being ostracized or bask in cheap, counterfeit artificial validation and that warm glow of fellowship. Socially, conforming to the herd is easier. It's far easier. It's no contest. Conformity feels better. It's so much easier. Why in the hell would anyone intentionally, intentionally choose the other path if they knew what monsters haunted it? Subconsciously, I suspect we know this quite well. On some level, much the same way people are instinctively afraid of snakes and lions and alligators. We know there are monsters down the path of independent thought, of rejecting conformity. We know it's hard, even if we haven't really thought about it. We know there are prices to be paid for that. Consequences. So for me, personally, I have to adjust my expectations. Long-held expectations. I used to think, ridiculously, ignorantly. I'll use the word ignorantly and apply it to myself here. I used to ignorantly think. Conformity was a character flaw. Probably while I was doing it, more than I'd like to admit. But I've always had, on some level, maybe tooting my own horn here, maybe not, whatever. I'll leave such determinations and judgments to you. But the splinter in the mind, I talked about that a little while ago. It's always been there. It's always caused me problems. Sometimes it manifested itself self-destructively. But it's always been there in my case. I was miserable until I actually started to pay attention to it, and miserable afterwards, as I, like I said, didn't understand a lot of what this was going to entail psychologically, what it was going to cost me emotionally and psychologically. I didn't understand any of this 10, 12 years ago. And it made the process infinitely harder. With the stumbles and everything else on top of it, holy shit, man. I did not know what I was getting into. So, yeah, with all of this taken into account, you want to fix that? (laughs) You want to fix the default setting? You want to adjust the default setting on human beings? The evolutionary default setting for tribalism, groupthink, the herd mind? echo chambers, all of that. You want to fix that. Good luck. You're going to have more luck begging people to grow wings. All right, this is a pretty good place, I think, to stop down. Got one more episode. Going to do a bit of a transition. Moving to uh, what happens if you do manage to begin the process of extracting yourself out. I think it for yourself separating yourself away just a little bit and what that requires examples of a couple of people anyway who have done this famous people you'll recognize the names so actually I think wrapping this up it's done pretty well it's already recorded ready to go so <laughs> it'll be there real 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 soon I bit my tongue Ah, Oh God, it hurts. EscapingTheCave.com is my website. Fuck Twitter, no Facebook page. He proudly proclaims. Till next time, so long.